Oh, we, you, you can do that now. Uh, do it afterwards? Um, yeah. So the Gemara said that everyone was coming because, yes, everyone, that everyone the journey Correct. of the Midbar, everyone dies. Everyone yeah. The person who sprinkled the Echatas has the tar, so that must have been the Kohen Gadol, which was the Aaron's son. Oh, interesting. The Kohen Gadol, the Kohen Gadol, was not coming. Or the Levium, because... The Levium still were coming, so that's very, very, very dead. Or the Levium, not all the Levium died. I believe not all the Levium died. No, it's a Shaila. No, you could. The mechatzas could be done by. I think it's a machlokes tanoim. I have to check that up. I have to check that so up. A is interesting. They had a yeah, yeah. in the midbar. Yes. B, it had to be someone who's tarred to do it. So that's why. Correct. I, that's why I figured it was the kohen gadol. Yeah. Arms yeah. Um, and then they became kohen. Correct. By doing it. Correct. Interesting. interesting. I just see that Eli Stefanski's uh, video yesterday. I did not. Really? Wow. Are you serious? He had a knife. Did he have the? No, he did a, like with a glove on his finger. It was like a. Oh. And, and but he he put like a fake blood packet in it, so when he cut off the, 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 the end of the glove, there was blood. Who is this? Uh, Laufer's like. Uh, by the way, I love how the recording started. The first like forty-five seconds, no one's gonna say what's good. Yeah, but I, I love how like Laufer's like. Show me something. Let's do an actual bris meal. Show me something. Yeah, oh my goodness. All right, so we're up to Daf Ayin Beis Amid Aleph. Five lines into the page is Amr of Papa. I, I just want to mention, I just want to clarify one thing. The last thing the Gemara said is that during the years of the Midbar, the Jewish people did not do a bris meal. The reason is because they did not have the north wind. The north wind... Um, and the north wind is healing, so I just want to clarify what element of the north wind is is a healing a healing element. Um, Rashi says, no, we just, we didn't even start yet. Rashi says, um, the, the 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 Gemara's what? No. Um, so Rashi says like this that the issue with not having the north wind is that the north wind apparently. It would blow away a little bit of the Nania COVID and it would bring out the sun. So it's not really the north wind that's healing. It's the north wind scatters the clouds, which allows the sunlight to go in, which is the healing element. Okay, just not on the point. I have so, a question. Well, sure. Um, didn't didn't we say maybe that also you shouldn't move a child after the bris for like a few yeah. days? Right? Yeah, but that's that's there's two opinions as to why they didn't do the bris milah. One is because of the traveling. The second is because of the lack of the north wind. I, I just want to explain the lack of the north wind is because then they didn't have the sunlight. I just again, it's a small, small horror. Yes. So okay. Apparently not. So the Gemara says Amrav Papa Hilkach. Therefore, because you need the because you need the sun for healing purposes, Yoyma Deeva. If it's a very cloudy day, Yoyma Deshusa. You should not do a bris on a very, very cloudy day because you don't have the sun for healing. And you shouldn't do bloodletting because, again, it's just it's not as uh, um, uh, medicinal. But says the Gemara, but nowadays everybody does it and therefore it falls into the category of Hashem watching over the fools. Okay. All those 40 years of Jewish people in the Midbar, although there was no northern wind during the day, but Hashem wanted to show that he was still not too upset with Kali Yisrael, so there was always north wind at midnight. 
that won't help you for brismila purposes because you don't have the sun, but there was always a little bit of north wind at midnight, echatzois. As it says in the Pasuk, that Hashem did Makas Bechayris at Chatzais. Now, what's the connection between Makas Bechayris and the North Wind? So the Gemara says, You see that Chatzais Alayla is when it's in Ace Ratzin. That's when Hashem uh, destroyed the Bechar. And that's also the time where every night there was a moment of a North Wind at Chatzais Alayla. Okay. New topic. Now, this topic is going to take us till about halfway through to the next Amit. And that is Amr Avhuna. Allah is like this. Um, once you have a brismila, obviously that skin is gone. Now, apparently, you could try to like undo it. It's like medicinally, you could uh, surgically, you could try to pull the skin back to cover it if you're really interested in not being from anymore. Apparently, also there's some sort of illness. I was showing an article. They said there's some sort of illness that might cause this to happen naturally. The question is, if that were to happen to a Jew, can he eat truma? Now he's technically had a brismila, but it doesn't look like he had a brismila. So the question is, um, is he allowed to eat truma? So the Gemara says min Torah, yes, but rabbinically you're not allowed to because optically it doesn't. It looks like uh, someone who doesn't have a brismila is eating the truma. So it's rabbinically a problem, not biblically a problem. I guess so. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just. Well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Word on the street. Yeah, word on the street would get out. So the point is a moshuch. That's I'm, so. From now on, the word moshuch from the end of the daf means someone who's attempting to undo the brismila. He's biblically allowed to eat truma, but rabbinically it's a problem. Okay. So says the Gemara. Mace, we have a kasha. The Brisa says, Moshech Tzaruch Sheyimo. The Brisa says that if you did, if you were a Moshech, you have to do a Brismila. Tzaruch Sheyimo. That implies Doiraisa. So that implies that you have to do a Brismila biblically. Ah, oh, so you see, it's a biblical issue. So the answer is no, Midrabonim. The answer is when it says Tzaruch Sheyimo, it means rabbinically. You have to undo this extra skin that you put back on rabbinically. But it's, so it's consistent with our view, which is that it's biblically considered a brismila, but rabbinically not. Now, so therefore when it says Moshe Tzar Shayimo, we thought at first that it was biblical, but then we say it's, it's only rabbinic. Now the Gemara says, Udikari lamaikari la, the question, what, what exactly was the question? When the Gemara asks a question that's so obvious, the Gemara will say, Udikari lamaikari la, the one who was asking, what was he thinking? It says, Moshe Tzar Shayimo. The word Tzaruch, that's not biblical talk. That's always rabbinic talk. The Torah doesn't say, Tzaruch l'haniach tefillin. It's a mitzvah l'haniach Tzaruch is like, a, like, a, like the Rabbanan say, listen, do me a favor, take care of this. Tzaruch. Tzaruch is not a biblical jargon. It's rabbinic jargon. It's like, Tzaruch, you've got to take care of this. If it, was, if it was biblical, it wouldn't use the word Tzaruch. So it says the word Tzaruch, which implies rabbinic. So what exactly did you think at first, that you thought it was biblical? Why would you think it's biblical? There's no Lashon of the Brisa that indicates that it's biblical. So the Gemara says, Hatzaruch kitani. So why did we think that the need for to have a brismila was biblical from this brisa? The answer is it's not from the beginning of the brisa; it's the end of the brisa. The end of the brisa brings a pasuk, as we'll see in a moment. So because the end of the brisa brings a pasuk, we thought that it was taka biblical. Where's the end of the brisa? The Gemara says katoi b'seifa. The mistake came from the end of the brisa. The end of the brisa says Ravida Amir lo yamul hiloi. Rav Yehuda actually felt that if you're a mashach, you should not do a brismila because we're afraid that you'll hurt yourself. That the, 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 you'll hurt that part of the body if you try to cut off the, the second layer, whatever it is, you could you could take a hurt yourself, and therefore he felt it's a sakana. So that was Rabbi Yehuda's opinion. So said the Gemara Amuloi. They said to him, "Vahaloi harbi malu b'mei ben kuziva vahilidu banim v'banois." 
But in the times of Ben Kuziva, which is Bar Kochba, many Jews had to have this surgery, and they were fine. Now the reason is because the Romans, one of the decrees the Romans had is that the, the Jewish men had to do the surgery to undo the bris mila. And Bar Kochba, when he took over, he made them reverse that surgery. So you see that Bar Kochba, in the times of Bar Kochba, they didn't, everyone was fine. So you see that you have to do it. Shanemar, himol yimol afilamei pamen. The Pasuk says, himol yimol, which means you have to do bris mila even a hundred times, meaning you'll be fine. The Torah is saying you'll be fine. Vahimer, in another source, as brisi hefer l'rabbis ha'samoshuch. The Pasuk also says that you, my, my bris, you uh, hefer, you, uh, you uh, pushed aside, you like a, uh, like a, like a, a renegade. That's, that's referring to Moshech, so you see that it's a problem. Now, why do you have to have the second Pasuk? What's the problem with the first Pasuk of Himel Yimel? Himel Yimel doesn't really mean... The, the, the reason, the issue with the word Himel Yimel is that the, the way it was brought down in the Bryce is that it, it, it was saying that you have to do the Brismila multiple times. That's not what actually Himel Yimel actually means. Himel Yimel just means that if you do the Brismila but you didn't do it fully, you have to go back. And we say that it's Ma'akiv. Therefore, you have the second Pasuk. What's the point of all this? These are Psukim to prove that you have to do the second Brismila by a Moshech. So the Brisa thought that because these are Psukim, it must be biblical. That was where we got it from. It wasn't from the word Sarich. It was the fact that you read this Brisa, these are Psukim. So the implication is, the Gemara says, who suffer? So we a- we asked, thinking that it was biblical, is because mid the of lahashas krode raisahi because the fact that they're psukim it must be biblical requirement. Veloihi and it's not true. Mid the rabbanu cross alma. The truth is it's only rabbinic and it's across machtav alma. These psukim are just used as drushes, but they're not actually what the psukim mean. Okay, fine. So. Ravi Huna started off by saying that if you're a Moshuch, you biblically can eat Shruma, but rabbinically not. So it's rabbinically a problem. Uh, tumtum, someone who's a Tumtum, which is skin covering over the genitals, so you don't know if they're a male or a female, they can't eat Shruma. Nosh of his wife, Avad of his slaves, Eichlin. Now we're going to ask Akasha in a moment, how do you have a wife? If you don't know whether he's male or female, you can't be married um, to the extent, you can't be confidently married to the extent that his wife could eat truma. Right? If you don't know if he's a male or a female, then if, he, if he's Makadish a woman, how could she eat truma? Because you don't know if he's a male or a female. Why do we not know? But even if you're machmer, to allow her to eat truma, huh? He's a tumtum. He's a tumtum. So a tumtum can't eat truma, but it says his wife could. Uh, exactly how you could have a wife to the extent that she yeah, could eat truma. No, he could Makadish to the point that she's maybe usher to, you know, that, uh, that uh, you know, she, he's, she's also to other people because that's a chumrah. She's treated as a chumrah. We're never going to treat her, we're not going to give her leniencies. We'll give her stringencies. Yeah? Yeah? Did we learn a few dots ago that Avram and Sarah were yeah. um, tumtums? Well, they were born tumtums, but, the, but then after, but by the time they got married, they had already had that part of the body removed. So they were, they were already clarified. This is while they're still a tumtum. You don't know whether a boy or a girl, and they give a ring. So it says that the wife could eat truma. The Gemara is going to analyze that in a second. So again, Tumtum doesn't eat truma, but his wife and his slaves could. A moshuch can eat truma. Boom, stop right there. That's the kasha. You said before that it's rabbinically a problem. Over here it says that they could eat truma. That's a tiyufta. Okay, fine. But let's just finish the b'raisa. Androgen is someone who is born with both genitals. He could eat truma and cannot eat kachim. 
Now the Brisa ends off by saying, and Tumtum can't eat Truma and Kachum. Now the obvious question is, we started off by mentioning Tumtum. Why are we mentioning it a second time? The Gemara is going to address that in a moment. Katani Mias, but at the end of the day, you do see from the Brisa, it says, It says that a Mashal can eat Truma. That's rabbinically and biblically. And that's a rejection of Rav Huna, who says that it's a rabbinic problem. End of the discussion. No, it's not a problem at all. A mashuch, a mashuch can eat truma both rabbinically and biblically. Oichel b'truma, he's allowed to eat truma. So when Rav Huna started off by saying that a mashuch is also rabbinically, it's not true. All right, Rav Huna started off by saying that that rabbinically it's a problem. This Brisa says it's mutter, so it's obviously not a rabbinic problem at all. By the way, there are different versions of the Gemara, because when I, 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 every night after I do it myself, I always look over the Masifta Gemara. The Masifta's version has a different girsa, which is that this is not a kasha, it's actually a raya. Because it says it's mutter, it means it's mutter biblically. Okay, but, but I, I'm going to go with this version that it's a mesve and it's a tiyufta. They take out the words tiyufta. Okay, fine. It's a, it's a shaila and the rishayim how to be gars. Fine. Now, the Gemara said before the Brisa said that the wife of a tumtum is allowed to eat truma. The question is, how is the wife of a tumtum of his wife? How is she allowed to eat truma? For her to eat truma, that means that he's a kayan. It means that they're married. How do you know that they're married to the extent that to be lenient on her? I understand treating her as a married woman to be machmer, but to treat her as a married woman to be lenient, well, why would you do that? You don't know whether he's a male or a female. Right? It's covered over. You don't know whether he's a male or a female. So the Gemara says like this. How does his wife, how is his wife allowed to eat truma? That's the kasha. Let's say he gave a ring to a woman. He says, Yeah. The problem is, to treat her as a wife to be lenient, we're not going to do. If you're if a tumtum is mekadesh a woman, it's it's valid biblically, meaning we're going to treat her to be machmer. By the way, neskadesh kedush kedushin. By the way, if you, if if that woman were to give, if if a man were to give that tumtum a ring, it would also work. Meaning he'd also be married because we don't know if he's male or female. So the point is, he'd be usher to the person's relatives. The point is, we don't know whether they're male or female. We don't know whether he's a male or, male or a female. So if the, a man gives him a ring, the tumtum a ring, and says, it's considered a marriage to the extent not to be, to be makel, but to be machmer, that that man can never marry her, his relatives. We don't know if he's male or female. So the point is, we're going to be machmer. That's the point. No one would say that he could be with that man. It's just that we're machmer. So, so why would he be lenient and allow his wife to eat truma? The Gemara says, "And Amar Damrinon lechomra lekulam yamrinon safik yishu veinishim mekadeshes yishu." It's a safik. So why are we allowing to eat truma? So Amar Abaya kishabeitz of nikaris b'mochutz. Abaya says the cases where it's a tumtum, but you could actually see the outline of male genitalia, meaning it's technically a skin covering. So he's a tumtum, but it's very clear he's a guy. So therefore. So therefore, while, while we know he's a man, we're going to treat that, him as a suffolk to the extent that his relatives are also, but it's not actually a valid, meaning it's a valid condition, not that he could be with them. It's still together as suffolk. No, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. The case of where the man is Makadish is where you can't tell. The case where his wife could eat truma is where you could tell he's a male. 
And Rava Omar, Rava says, no, my nasha of Imoy. It just says his woman. It doesn't mean his wife, it means his mother. Yeah, in this case it means mother. I mean, in the cases where his mom married a Kayan, and then the Kayan died, and she could continue eating truma as long as she had a child. That child is a tumtum. So she allows, the tumtum allows his mother to continue eating truma because he's a child of the kind. So the Gemara says, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll be allowed to. I get the evidence of. The evidence of the father's through inheritance, I guess. That's a good point. Yeah. So, what's the significance of being a tumtum? Oh, so the Gemara says, Pshita, yeah, it's Pashit. Come on, you might think that because tumtums can't give birth, he's sterile, so you might think that that's not enough to allow the mother to eat. No, come on. So, you have a machlaikis between Abaya Rabba, when it says that a tumtum's wife can eat, what type of tumtum? Is it a regular tumtum, or is it a tumtum where it's clear that it's a male? So, here's, I'll tell you outside, we'll see it inside. The Bryce has said in the beginning a tumtum's asr, and then it said again a tumtum's asr. It said twice. So, according to Abaya, it makes sense. The first case is where it's clear that it's a male, the second case where it's not clear. Okay. But according to Rava, it's always talking about just a regular tumtum, so why is it repeating itself? That's the Gemara's cash. The Gemara says like this: Tashma tumtum ein yochel lebitshum lebikachim. It said tumtum twice. So bishlem labaya. I understand according to Baya, the first tumtum is where you could tell that he's a male. The second tumtum is where you can't. So tanaresha arovade. The first case is where he's for sure a male. So he's for sure a male who doesn't have a, a, a brismila. Then the second case is where it's a suffolk. You don't know whether he's a male. So I get it. That's why you had to have two cases. No, no, no. Both the tumtum cannot eat in both cases. The wife, maybe, but the, so that's why it's repeated twice. Because the first case is where you know that he's a male. The second case is where you don't know he's a male. Fine, but at least they're two different cases. But according to Rava, they're both talking about the same exact thing. So why is it repeating itself? El Rava tumtum to save alamali. Why do you have tumtum at the end? The answer is my tumtum oral. The tumtum at the end, according to Rava, is not a tumtum. It actually means just a guy who's uncircumcised. Okay. You have to change the case. Now, here's the problem. Besides for the fact that you're changing the case, the problem is then, isn't that like very poshit? But like a tumtum is asr because he might be a male and he's uncircumcised. And then at the end, it's like, oh, an uncircumcised male is asr. Yeah, of course. It's like pretty poshit. If a tumtum is out, then an oral is definitely out. So Gemara says, Hasha suffik vadi Matam kamar, matam tumtum the answer is, when it says tumtum at the end, it's explaining. Meaning a tumtum's asr, because he might be an oral. And you should know, in oral's asr. So, sometimes the b'risa does that, where it's, it's not a chiddish, it's, it's just an explanation. Okay, so we had before uh, a discussion whether a mashuch is required to have a brismila biblically or rabbinically. Okay, our assumption is that it's only rabbinic. Skumara says, lemeke tanoi, I think it might be a machleikas tanoi. Whether a moshoch requires uh, brismila biblically or rabbinically. How so? Because I'll, I'll tell you outside again, we'll see it inside. This Bryce. Correct, but we're, now we're going to say maybe it's machlaik center. We're going to have a Bryce so that maybe sounds like it's. So right now we say that based on the previous Gemara, the moshoch doesn't have to do anything. Correct, but if Huna felt that it requires a rabbinic, he was That's rejected. True. Okay, but now here's the thing this Bryce that we're about to have is a machlaik tanoyim, whether a moshoch. Can have the has to have has the brismila at night or during the day? Can he do it at night? Is it rabbinically required or biblically required? But Rav Huna didn't say that. Correct. 
So there's a machlekes tanoim whether the bris that a mashuch is going to have, whether it has to be done during the day or it could even be done at night. What's the machlekes about? So the Gemara feels perhaps the machlekes is about if it's biblical, it has to be during the day, like an eight, like an eighth day old baby. If it's rabbinic, it could be done at night. Perhaps that's the machlekes. So the Gemara says, let's see it inside. Lema katanoi. In this Rav Huna's opinion that it's only rabbinic, perhaps it's a machlekes tanoim. My father did make a good point, which is that we already rejected Rav Huna's opinion, but the Gemara is going to go with it. It says, Moshuch, you have a Moshuch, case number one, or if you have a convert who, who was already circumcised when he came into Judaism, so he has to do Atafas Dambris. Or any kid after eight days old. I don't know, a kid was sick and he's two years old, he has a Brismila. Or if someone has two Arlas. All cases have to be done during the day. Bris milah v'amashuch and the gerish and his gar tafas dambris everything during the day. Rav Lozber of Shimon Oimer bismano. I go to the next page. Any moylan el ba yom shlo bismano el be yom belayla. He says no, it could be done at night. So you have machloikas whether a moshuch and uh, a child after the age of eight days old. All these cases could could it be done at night or not? It's machloikas. So the Gemara says, "My lab What is the machlekes about? It must be my sovereign mashuk deraisa, my sovereign mashuk derabanan. If you hold that it's derabanan, it will be lean. You can do it at night. If it's deraisa, it has to be done during the day." So the Gemara says, "Wait a minute." So you're telling me the shaila meaning if it's deraisa, it has to be done during the day. If it's derabanan, it could be done at night. One of the cases that the Tanakama allows to be done at night is a mashuk. Fine. It's also a baby after eight days old. A baby after eight days old is definitely deraisa. It's definitely a mitzvah deraisa to give a baby after two, a two-year-old baby. It's definitely a mitzvah deraisa. What do you see? It has nothing to do with be- whether it's biblical or rabbinic. It's stama machloikis, whether when the Pasuk says, ubayoim hashmini, the Pasuk says, ubayoim hashmini. Now, bayoim hashmini, obviously, during the day. The extra vav, it's a shayla of whether you include other brismilas that has to be done during the day. So it has nothing to do whether it's deraisa or rabbanon. It's stama machloikis of whether chazal or deraisa, derabon, whatever it is, do brismila shaloi bismana have to be done during the day? It's whether you darshan the extra vav. If you darshan the vav, then uba yoyim, that means all brismilas have to be done by yoyim. If you don't, then dafka by yoyim ashmini. If it's not by yoyim ashmini, it could be done at night. It has nothing to do with deraisa derabana. It could work if it's deraisa, it could work if it's derabana. It's, 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 it's not related. That's the Gemara says. The Gemara says, but Tizber, according to you, that the machloikis is contingent on whether it's derabana deraisa, kodzan shavrismana yimiyakilamandama derabana. One of the cases that they argue about is a, a, a one-year-old baby. A one-year-old baby is definitely a mitzvah and a tire to give him bris milah. And yet there's still a machlaika. So what do you see? It could be everyone agrees that a mashach is derabonon. And the machlaika is, and everyone agrees that a katan shavar's man is deraisa. So what's the machlaika? It has nothing to do with deraisa derabonon. The machlaika is just whether you darshan, the extra vav. Do you darshan that to include other type of bris milas? It has nothing to do with whether it's deraisa or derabon. I'm just gonna drink. I don't have a cup. I'm just. Gonna, this is my water for the day. So okay, and this is only Correct. Now, now, where is this machlekes ubayoyim? Where is this drasha from ubayoyim coming in to require things to be done during the day, even when it's shalei bismanai? Right, that's the machlekes. Yeah. Brismila bismane has to be done during the day. It's bayoim. The extra vav is a machloikis of whether the extra vav will include mila shalei bismane. That has to be done during the day. 
So the Gemara says, Kihadi Yosef, the following story of Yoichanan Kedarish, Yoichanan got up. Now, the, the same way you can have a Brismila Bismana, which is eight days old, and Shalai Bismana is after eight days old, you could also have Noiser. Noiser is anytime a carbon is past its expiration date, you have to burn it. There is Noiser Bisman, which is burning it the day it expires, and there is Noiser Shalai Bisman a month later, right? Right? Uh, a shlomim is two days, which means the third day is noiser bizman. That's the first time to burn it, because this possibly says on the third day you should burn it. Then you can have noiser shloy bizman. If for whatever reason you didn't burn it on that day, you, you want to burn a week later, that's noiser shloy bizman. The machloikis is there's a shaila of whether noiser shloy bizman does it have to be burnt during the day. And it's the same thing from ubayon. So let's see it inside. Rav Yechanan got up and he darshaned. If you're burning noiser bizman, which means the day it expires, it has to be done during the day. Shaloi bizman, but if you're burning it later, nisaf maybe yoyim emalayla. Either way, day and night. No, he didn't say anything yet. He just said this because the pasuk says bayoyim regarding bizman. So he just said shaloi bizman is during the night. Rav Lozer got up his student and he asked him the following question. This is a brace that says, how do I know that if you're doing a bris mila shaloi bizman? Let's say I have a baby that's a month old, and he wasn't healthy, and now he's finally healthy. Says the brace, how do I know that it has to be done during the day? The extra vav. So you see that this brace, because of the extra vav, in the Ubayoim, it says that even Shaloi Bizman has to be done during the day. So Rav Elazar said to Rav Yochanan, shouldn't the same rationale be extended for Noiser? The same way a Brismila, Shaloi Bizman, has to be done during the day. Noiser, Shaloi Bizman, also has to be done during the day. So that was Rav Elazar's kasha to Rav Yochanan. So Ishtik, he was quiet. Rav Yochanan was stumped by his student. Basa Dinovic, after Revelazar left. Now, by the way, this Revelazar of, of Tanoim, it's good to know. Anytime there's Revelazar Stam, right? Shimon Stam in, in, in Gemara is a Shimba Yechoi. Revelazar Stam in Tanoim is Revelazar ben Shamua. Revelazar in the Gemara Stam is Revelazar ben Pedos. Okay. So Revelazar ben Pedos was this Revelazar who asked Rav Yechonon the Kashi, he was a student. So after he left, Rav Yechonon turned to Rish Lakish, who was like his Chavrusa. And he says, I just saw Ben Pedas give a drasha like Mamish Moshe Rabbeinu at Harsina. Meaning that Chiddush that he just told me, wow, like I was, I was very impressed by this. So Rishlokish is very sharp. Rishlokish, did he? Well, you think it's his Chiddush? Masnisahi, it's a Brisa. Okay, it's like, it's not Rav Lozman Pedas. I'm like, he's just telling you over a Medrash. Like, so Rav Yechanan said, Hecha, Tanole, where, where is this? Taris Kayanim. Which is also interesting that Rav Yechon didn't know, I guess, that he, had, they had, he hadn't gotten Taris Kayanim yet. Taris Kayanim is the Midrashim on the Halachim Midrashim on Vayikra. So he says, it's in Taris Kayanim. So he says, so Rav Yechon said, where is this Drash? He said, Rishalak says, it's in Taris Kayanim. So Nafik Tanya Ketlasi Yosef, Rav Yechon took three days to learn Taris Kayanim. And he understood it in three months. Meaning three days he just got like the Bikiyas, and then Bi'in, it took him three months, and then he got all of Tereskayan. Okay, new topic to get us to the end of the daf. Yeah. Amr Avalazar. Okay, so we had yesterday that someone who is uncircumcised, you could sprinkle them with paradum or waters, and it works. Now it's the reverse case. Someone who's uncircumcised can sprinkle, can do the sprinkling. 
That if someone's uncircumcised, he could sprinkle the waters. Now, why is this a chiddush? Because someone whose tummy cannot. And Rav Akiva, if you remember, Rav Akiva asers in oral from eating truma because he darshins ish ish from a pasuk regarding tuma. So Rav Akiva equates in oral to a tummy, but not now. So this brisa says that an oral can sprinkle, and what he's not treated as someone who's tame, even though he's uncircumcised, he's allowed to sprinkle the paraduma waters. How do I know this? He's just like a tful yoyim. A tful yoyim was someone who was tame but went to the mikvah. So to the rest of the day, while he's still tahar, he still needs nightfall. He's called a tful yoyim. The halacha is, even though a tful yoyim cannot interact with truma, he can't eat or touch truma, yet he could do the paraduma, the sprinkling, so too, an oral can eat truma, but can sprinkle. So an oral can sprinkle because it's equated with a tful yoim. The Gemara says that's not really comparable. An oral can eat meiser, but a tful yoim could. So it's not a real fair uh, equation. So the Gemara says, We're not talking about eating. We're talking about touching. Meaning, a tful yoim cannot touch truma, but he could do the sprinkling. So an oral who could touch truma, he could do the sprinkling. It has nothing to do with eating. We're not talking about eating. We're talking about touching. The Gemara says, An oral can do the sprinkling a kavah If a tful yoim cannot touch the truma, but can sprinkle, an oral who can touch the truma, kavah he can sprinkle. Abraisa similarly states, The Braisa says clearly, an oral can sprinkle, and there was an oral who once did, and it worked. Okay, so you have an oral, uh, we're allowing an oral to sprinkle the mar- paraduma waters. Perfect. Mace, we have a kasha. This brysa clearly says. Yeah. Now, the problem is, so we're saying an oral can sprinkle. The problem is, this brysa that we're about to say completely says that it's also like a straight up contradiction. Mace, now it could be a machloikis, but we were trying to like figure out. Mace, the Bryce says like this, Tumtum. Now this is not talking about sprinkling, but it's the same halachas. This is talking about pouring the waters and the ashes together, mixing the waters and ash together of the paraduma waters. It's the same halachas as sprinkling. So whoever can sprinkle can do this, whoever cannot do this cannot sprinkle. So it, it's it's um just like in your mind, just um equate them. So right now we're saying that an oral can sprinkle. Mesve. Tumtum Shakidish Kedush of Puzzle. A tumtum is not allowed to mix the paraduma waters. Neshu Suffolk oral, varal apostle, because he might be an oral, right? If he's a male, he's an oral. If he's a female, it's fine. This Tanakama feels a female can do the sprinkling. Oh, varal apostle. And it says an oral's apostle. Boom, stop right there. We just got finished saying there's a Brysa that says that it's mutter. This Brysa clearly says that it's not mutter. Okay, let's just finish the Brysa. Uh, that's the Kasha, but we'll finish the Brysa. The androgynous shakida kedushim kosher, and androgynous can can sprinkle and can mix the waters. Why? Because this opinion feels that women are allowed. So the whole issue with an androgynous, androgynous is someone who has both male and female. So the issue with an androgynous, it might be a female. Actually, there's an opinion out there that it might be just in its own bria. But but let's assume that it's either male or female. This opinion feels females can sprinkle. So either way, it's fine. Rav Yehuda says no. Rav Yehuda happens to disagree. He feels that women cannot sprinkle, and therefore he says an androgynous is that because it might be a female. Okay. Isn't an androgynous only you? 
That's because we don't pass. We we pass that we're not sure whether it's a male or female, and therefore he cannot be mitzi others. But in this case, where either male or female are fine, it would be okay. So this is just a side machleikus so of whether androgynous, whether women can sprinkle. But what do you see from here? This brisa clearly states that an oral is out. We had a brisa that said an oral is allowed. This brisa says oral is not allowed. So what, what are you doing here? So the Gemara says. See, another answer is, we said in two days ago, Daf, how do we know that an oral can't eat truma? Because the Pasuk says regarding Tame, that a Tame person can't eat truma, ish ish, l'rabas is a oral. So what do you see? You see that a Vakiva equates regarding truma in oral to Tame. So the Gemara says, well, if you take that line of reasoning, Rav Akiva would outlaw in oral from sprinkling, right? A Tommy person cannot sprinkle the Paraduma waters. We had a Bryce that said an oral could, but then we had a Bryce that said an oral can't. So Gemara says it's very simple. The one who said that it can't is Rav Akiva. If Rav Akiva equates regarding Truma in oral to a Tame, and we're assuming, and that, obviously notice the word assumption because Gemara could reject it very easily, we're assuming that Rav Akiva equates an oral to a Tame, kola so if an oral is like a Tame, then an oral cannot sprinkle. So the b'risa that allows it is not Rav Akiva, the b'risa that outlaws it is Rav Akiva. Now again, Rav Akiva never said this regarding chatas waters. He just said it for truma, but we're extrapolating. Kola Rav Akiva treats an oral as a tame is the same. Now the Gemara says the obvious question, which is, how do you know that he feels that way? All he said is regarding truma. How do you know that he feels a kol tarakula? The Gemara says, Amarava, have Yasivna, can be the Rav Yosef, because Rav said, I asked Rav Yosef the following question. Then throughout Shas, whenever there is a list and it says tame, it should always say oral, which you don't find. We find it by truma. We don't find it anywhere else. But if you're telling me that Rav Akiva has this rule that kol tarakula, that an oral and a tame are synonymous with each other, if anyone, okay, I'll tell you after this. Synonymous in a, in a real way. Um, so if, if an oral and a tame are, are synonymous with each other, then it should be in some Tanoic literature, which it's not. Revakiva, the Brysa says an oral cannot sprinkle. We're saying, oh, that's Revakiva. Why? Because Revakiva treats an oral and a tame as the same. Where did he say that? He said that regarding Truma. And we're assuming Kol Terakula. The Gemara says, but it's not found in any Tanoic literature. Meaning, when it talks about going on Harabayas, okay, I'm just giving examples. It says Tommy, it doesn't say oral. Whatever, it doesn't, it's, they're not always together. Yeah, we're talking about a Jew who just didn't circumcise. So you're telling me that, oh, they're this synonymous. They're not synonymous in Mishnayis. They're, they're not together all the time. And if they were, someone would say it. So I don't believe that Rav Akiva would necessarily hold this way in Kol Tarakula. I, the Gemara says, but there is one case where they're together. I, Vahokitani, Aral Vatam Petur Minaria. It says that an oral and tame are not are not required to go to uh regel shal shagom. So that they're together. The answer is hasam shum demos. Over there, it's disgusting. Meaning, it's not that they're the same in halacha. It's just that they're both considered mos that Hashem doesn't want to see them. But that doesn't mean that they're equated in kol tarkul. That's just that, that's the exception, I guess, not the rule. Okay. Now let's just finish up the daf. Um, we had a machloikas whether women uh, androgynous can sprinkle, because whether women are allowed to sprinkle. Right? Tanakhama says yes, or if Yudha says no. The Gemara just explains their shitas. Vazal tamayu, their lishitaso. Um, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Oh. Yeah, Detanya. Hakol kshirim lakadish. Again, this is talking about mixing. 
um, the, the paraduma water. So we had a machlekes whether women could. So this is where the machlekes is from. The Tanakhama says the only people outlawed are a but women are allowed. Rav says no, a katan could sprinkle and could mix, but a woman cannot. So this is where Rav Yehuda outlaws a woman. Now, I'm sorry. Now, so review the outlaws a woman and androgynous. So the Rabbanon are okay with a woman sprinkling and mixing and not okay with a child. Review is okay with a child, not a woman. So the Gemara says, My time at the Rabbanon. What's the reason for the Rabbanon allowing a woman but outlawing a child? Because it says, The Rabbanon feel because it's the Pasuk describes taking, gathering the ingredients, right? There's, there's, two, there's three stages, there's multiple stages. Before the sprinkling, one stage is where you get the ashes, I get the water, that's the gathering, and then there's the mixing. There's a machlegas of whether a woman can mix. Gathering, women are allowed to gather the ingredients together. That's from a pasuk in, uh, where is this? That's in Yuma. We learned Yuma together. Whoa. That's in Yuma that apparently we did once. Um, we all, I'm sure, remember that in Yuma, the Pesach clearly states that a woman could gather the ingredients together. So the Rabbanon say, whoever can gather the ingredients can do the sprinkling. So a woman could, so a woman could. Child cannot, child cannot. Easy. Rav Yudha says no. Rav Yudha says no. The halachas of sprinkling are different than the halachas of gathering. A woman could gather, but she can't sprinkle. First of all, a child can do it even though a child cannot gather, a child could sprinkle because it says the extra vav is to include a child. But how do I know a woman's out? Because again, a woman can gather but she can't sprinkle. The Pasuk says regarding the sprinkling, and it's not v'nosna. So v'nosan, which is male, tells you that only a male could and not a female. That's our view that gets it that a woman cannot mix it and sprinkle. So the Gemara says, V'rabonon, what do they do? Why does it say V'nosan and not V'nosna, if a woman could do it? The answer is like this, Yeah, because again, Rabbi Huda's point is that it, 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 to include a child and to exclude a woman is because it says V'nosan and V'lokhu. And it should say V'lokach V'nosna. So what do the Rabbonon do with that? The Rabbonon explained the reason why it says Vilakhu and Vinosan is not because of male, female, child, not child. It's because of the following the following thought. Iksivalokach Vinosan. If it would have just said Vilokach and not Vilakhu, then I would say Havamina Shokulchad Vyovchad. I would say that the person putting the ashes in has to also put the water in. You can't have multiple people mixing. The reason meaning in other words, the reason why it says Vilakhu is not to include a child, but it's to allow multiple people to mix. So it has nothing to do with the child. Therefore, it says, to tell you multiple people can mix. You could put the ashes and I could put the water in. And if it would have said, I would say maybe two people have to mix it together. It's not an option. Two people have to. Tells you that any combination is okay. One person mixing, two people mixing, two people putting the water in, one putting person the ashes. It's all combinations are allowed. Let's just end up, go to the next page. And it's the last Joshua, which you've had many times, and the beginning of Yuma we had this, that it says that the Tahar uh, sprinkles on the Tame, which means the one sprinkling is called a Tahar. Now, 
It's like uh, the person doth protest too much. If you call him Tahar, that implies that he's not so Tahar. Right? If the Pasuk calls him a Tahar, it's like if he was really Tahar, you wouldn't have to say. It just says Vahiza. The fact that the Pasuk calls him a Tahar means he wasn't always Tahar, meaning he had just gone to the mikvah. He's called a Tvul Yoim. And this is the source that a Tvul Yoim can, can, uh, can sprinkle the water. All right, we'll stop here.